Lloyd shared on seeing and savoring the light of God's glory in the first two weeks, and I listened to those over SoundCloud, had a funny conversation with one of my colleagues, um, a mature colleague of mine, and uh, I said, yeah, I listened to a podcast on SoundCloud. She's, sound what? And I said, SoundCloud, download it. And she downloaded it, and uh, I think she listened to, to the server. So, yes, um, I'm, I'm really honored to be here this morning, and to, uh, to you guys, very welcome. It's, uh, it's good to see a whole rugby crowd here as well, hey, Lloyd? It's good. So the key verse for, for this series, this light series, and the topic this morning would be shining the light of God's glory. And so let's start by a verse that I'm sure you've memorized by now. Uh, this is the third week. But for those who, who haven't memorized it, uh, like myself, let's, let's read it. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to read it from my phone. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, this is really one of those verses in the Bible where it's, it's hyperlinked. There are so many links to other scriptures from the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in fact, I brought an infographic to show you something about cross-referenced scripture. It's going to be up on the screen in a moment. I'm sure, yes, you're seeing it. I don't know where to stand to be out of your way. But if you look at the bottom half of this infographic, those are the chapters of the Bible. And you can clearly see the middle one is very long. Who can, who can spot that chapter in the Bible, right? Psalm 119. It's a, it's a very long chapter. Um, so the colors you see there, the arcs, are cross-references right through Scripture. The Bible is so coherent. It tells a unified story that leads to Jesus. And this Scripture is one of those verses that is linked to many other Bible verses. And the reason I'm showing you this is to tell you that light and darkness in Scripture is not just another theme. It's not just another topic. In fact, it's mentioned over 780 times in the Bible. Now, if you would take light and all of its synonyms in the Bible, it makes up 2.2% of all the verses in the Bible. Now, just to put that in comparison, love makes up 1.2% of the Bible's verses. That's a whole percent more. Now, I doubt that you'll get that question in any Bible quiz ever. <laughs> but the reason, the reason I'm telling you this is to show you the significance of this topic. Because as believers, I think sometimes we've gotten so used to, oh, just shine your light, shine your light. But this morning, I'm hoping to press the refresh button and really look at the weight and the glory and the meaning of light and darkness in Scripture. And so we're going to take a, a journey through Scripture this morning and look at exactly that. Light and darkness, such a rich theme in the Bible. Now, if you were to look at a few small checkpoints along the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you would see that light is the first act of creation, you would see that there was a burning bush. Lloyd spoke about it last week. 
There's Moses' face when he comes down from the mountain, being in the presence of the Lord. His face was shining so bright that they had to cover it. You have the column of fire that led Israel in the night when they were in the wilderness. You have Jesus, of course, shining on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that story? You have Paul, the apostle, who saw the light, as it were, and got blinded by it. And in Revelation, we read about a city on a hill and the light that never stops shining. We actually sang about it this morning. On heaven's streets, there is no night. So light is a significant part of the Bible. And in this specific verse, it's saying that light represents the glory of God. Light represents the glory of God. So let's, let's slow down at this point. Let's look at light being the glory of God. So glory is, is misunderstood quite often, is it? Especially God's glory. We ask the question, why does God need to be glorified? I mean, does he have some sort of self-worth issue? Is he insecure? Does he have a glory deficiency and now we need to fill that up on earth? What's with the whole glory thing and glorifying God? And that's, that's not the case, right? I mean, God was glorious before creation. And in creation, he placed his glory on display. And so when he created the mountains, when he created the trees, when he created the animals, and we're going to stop just before the humans, um, he created glorious things. And so it was always there, but now it was revealed. So I want you to remember this. If anyone ever asks you about God's glory, tell them that God does not collect glory from his people. He communicates glory to his people. And we then reflect that glory to other people. Does that make sense? So glory is a, is a, is a wonderful topic in the Bible as well. At this stage, then, humans are created. So God creates man in his own image, tells them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Now let's talk about that for a moment. The image of God was placed on us, and so we then get the glory of creating. So God created, but now he gives us the opportunity to create but don't miss the second opportunity that we get. We get the opportunity to display his glory as well. And so before, only God had the ability to display his glory. But now he's given humans that right as well. So in essence, what he's saying is, fill the earth with my glory. Wonderful. And on every single day, he says, when he puts his glory on display and I've created this, he says, and it was good. And so whenever God's glory is displayed, there is goodness. There's goodness in God's glory and we find joy in it. It's like an architect. I work with quite a few architects. Uh, we're not always on the same page because if it was up to an architect, there would not be a single column in this building. They just love open spaces, you know, don't, don't, don't want columns everywhere. But if an, architect's, if an architect designs 
a building and they've got the foyer in mind, right, the entrance, and they want people to be wowed when they walk into this building. I mean, they must be impressed when they walk in here. Then they'll make a high ceiling, you know, it's an old story, all glass and all sorts of things hanging from the ceiling. And when people actually walk in there and they're like, wow, this is, this is impressive, this is pretty cool. What they're doing is that they're glorifying the architect because the architect had a purpose and that purpose is now realized. But they're also joyful. They're like, wow, you know, this is nice. You take out the phone, take a picture. And so the architect is satisfied and glorified, whereas the people are joyful. So we go back, and it's the same with God, isn't it? Puts things on display for us to glorify him and enjoy it. So let's move on with the story of creation. God creates humans in his image, his image bearers, but they don't do so well. They take that image and they use it for something else. They glorify themselves instead of glorifying God. And so the ramification is that they become blind to God's glory. This is exactly what the Bible means by darkness. Whenever you read darkness in the Word, it's saying that this person or these people are blind to my glory. And this morning I want to tell you that you walk in your life, you walk in a lot of places where people are blind to God's glory. They don't see it. And so what happened after we were blinded to God's glory? Well, darkness, right? If we take darkness a step further, we could say that it is the absence of God's presence. Think about Jesus on the cross. What did he say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Absence of God's presence. And it was dark. So we've got a good grip now on light. We've got a good grip on dark. Um, and we've got a good grip on God's glory. And so what was he going to do to save us from this darkness? Well, he spoke to a man called Abraham in Genesis 12. He said, I want to build a nation through you. And I want to bless you and bless other nations through you. And right through scripture, he does that. In fact, hundreds of years later in Isaiah 49 verse 6, he confirms this. He says the following. This is a prophecy, right? He says, God says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. He says, that which is a big thing in itself is too small. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, light for people who are not believers, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. And so it has always been God's plan to restore his glory in us, but it would take a very, very bright light an even brighter light that is shining in my face right now. <laughs> An even brighter light than that. And so, one evening, he sent a couple of wise men who followed a light in the sky to arrive at the light of the world that would save us from blindness, from darkness. And so our Lord Jesus came, and what did he do? 
He was the perfect image of the Father. He was the pure image of the Father. In that way then, restoring God's glory on earth. That's why he was the brightest light. And so let's take a look at John 8 verse 12. It says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have eternal life. Hebrews 1 verse 3, the sun is the radiance, radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by the power of his word. Light is a revelation of God's glory that leads to goodness and that leads to joy. If you don't think that God's glory will bring you joy or goodness, you do not yet fully grasp God's glory. And so the question this morning is, how then do we shine the light? If that is what Jesus did, what are we supposed to do? And we find that in, in, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Here's our task, our commission, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so this is sort of where I want to park the discussion. Let's talk about how we could shine our light in this day and age. What does it mean for us to shine our light? Well, I think, first of all, we need to be liberated. So there are three things. The, the first key principle is to be liberated from darkness. If you are still living in darkness, you need to be saved from it. You need to come out of it. And this morning, God is calling you out of darkness. Listen to what John says in, in John chapter 3, verse 19 to 21. This is the verdict, he says. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. People who does evil, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. And so God is calling you to light this morning. Perhaps you are hiding in the dark or you are hiding something in the dark. Or maybe there's darkness in your finances. Maybe there's darkness in your studies or darkness in the workplace, in the, in the meeting areas or wherever you come. God is saying, bring it into the light. Maybe you say this morning, well, if God knew my sin, maybe he wouldn't say that. But to that God says, listen, sin does not survive in the light. A lot of people say, many of my friends say this, one day I'll go to church. I just need to sort a few things out in my life. I just need to fix this. You know, I still swear a lot, you know. I can't come to church now. 
I like drinking on weekends, and you know, I can't, I can't, surely can't come to church now. That's the lie. That's a blindness. Because what, what do we know? That you come just as you are. I wonder if you've got some people in your life that you've discarded. Maybe it's time to relook at them and say, "Come just as you are." You know, the older we get, the more irritated we get by people. <laughs> going to look at anyone. <laughs> and this morning, I want to remind you that God's love is immense. He wants people to be saved. He says it in his word. We'll read it in just a moment. Step out into the light. Bring things that are in darkness into the light. And then I want just a quick word with the Christians this morning. You know, sometimes we think we need to convert at first sight when we see someone. You know, we've got this one opportunity now. I'm just going to uh, everything I know about Scripture onto this person and hope they get saved. But what that Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 is that who turned on the light in our hearts? God. God turns on the lights. In fact, God turned on your light. You know, we, we say things every day like, oh, you know, the, the light really went on for me when this happened in my life. Or we say things like, my colleague kept me in the dark about this. Now, we are very familiar with light and darkness. In fact, this simple metaphor can sometimes be so elementary that we discard it. But this morning, I want to remind you that it has power. Every time you say, I shine the light, that's got power. Step out. Shine your light. Remember that we shine, God saves. And so you need to trust in God. Whenever you shine your light, you can't just be like, okay, well, I need to do everything now. That's not the case. What does the Bible say? It says, the one plants, the one waters, who makes it grow? God makes it grow. Trust in the Lord for the people that you want to see saved. And shine all the brighter. I referenced a, a scripture in Peter earlier. Let's read it right now. Second Peter verse three, chapter three, verse nine to ten. By the way, all of these scriptures are in the NIV translation, or as we like to say in in Veritas, the Niv. You now get different translations, and they're all interesting. And we'll have a discussion about that maybe a bit later. This is the Niv translation. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Maybe that's all someone needed to hear this morning. He's not slow in keeping his promise. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. <laughs> I want to put that up everywhere in the world. He is patient. The reason we are still living right now is because of God's patience. And before we get to verse 10, which is now the hectic part that people quote more often, I want you to know that God wants your family member and your friend to be saved even more than what you do. But he's relying on your light, the light that he's shining onto you. Reflect that. Reflect that in unique ways so that people can see it. Verse 10 says, so we've just read about the patience. Now we read, 
but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. In other words, we don't know when it's going to happen. It is going to happen someday. We know that. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. So that's not, I mean, that's not even easy for me to read. But verse 9 is where our focus should be when we're shining our light. Yes, use verse 10 as an urgency, but don't think you have to convert at first sight. The second key principle in shining your light is to meditate. Now, I would give good money to see what picture just came up in your mind when I said meditate. Right? Is it some weird Eastern thing where we sit in a very uncomfortable position and you have incense and everything uh, going? No, it's not that, is it? Let's read from the Bible because I know you don't believe me. Looking at me funny. <laughs> Philippians 2 verse 14 to 16 says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. You know, one of the ways in which God sustains the light, because that's, that's what he does as well, he doesn't just flip the switch and then walks away. He sustains that light. And one of the ways in which he sustains that light is by gifting you with the wonderful and powerful word of God, the Bible. Spend some time in it. And think about it. You know, I had a wonderful conversation with Vince, a worship pastor in, in North End. And I have this habit of asking people what they are busy reading, especially when I'm in a conversation with leaders or CEOs and things like that. I want to know what they're reading and is it worth it? Must I also read it? And so we start off by scripture and we're saying, okay, I'm, I'm reading this and I'm reading this. And I'm like, Vince, what, what are you reading? He says, this week I'm focusing on just this one verse. I'm meditating on it the whole week. And I'm waiting for him. I'm like, okay, and? And what else? It's like, no, no, no. I've read the Bible from cover to cover. I know the story. I need to just meditate. I need to chew on. I need to think about this verse more often. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you this morning to think about a verse and not just read it. You're not on the clock when you read the Bible. You're in 15 minutes and then you're done. No, there's no rule that says a chapter a day, although Veritas does tell you. Just read the whole book and you'll understand the context, you know? Um, that's difficult when you're reading Psalms. But meditate on God's word. It will shine through you. When you think about it, when your heart is full of it, your mouth will speak it. The third and final key principle then is to imitate Christ. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says the following, and by the way, Lord, I think uh, you can do a whole verse on this, a whole sermon on this verse as well, sermon series. And we all who with unveiled faces 
hyperlinking back to Moses, whose face was veiled when he saw the light, and saying that now that we have Christ, there's no need for that. Unveiled in the sense that we can see the glory of Christ. And we all who, with unveiled faces, contemplate, think about, meditate, the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So let's, let's talk about that for a moment. The Holy Spirit, some people have a misconception about the Holy Spirit as well, where they think that you know, God is sitting in heaven as the Father, sort of looking down, the peasants. Jesus had the unfortunate task to come down for a short while, but luckily he's back upstairs. But the poor Holy Spirit, he has to be inside of the people for the rest of their days. That's not the case. Do you know that the Holy Spirit wants to be with you? It is God's Spirit, isn't it? He wants to be there. He wants to see how you are transformed into the image of God. He even wants it more than you. And so when we imitate Christ, we need to listen to the word of the Holy Spirit. We need to listen to those promptings when we meditate on Scripture. So the brighter we shine, the more people see. But how do we shine brighter? Become more like Christ. He was the perfect image. I need to imitate. I need to be like that image. I need to think about that image. So let's just go back to that verse. The second part. You're being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. I mean, now it's clear as day. Maybe before you didn't trust me that when we become like Christ, we shine his glory. But now you can see it's clear which comes from the Lord, again, it's not our responsibility to flip the switch, that's God, the Lord who is the Spirit that you have. You know, if you've been saved, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Spirit works in you every single day. I mean, that's remarkable. The Westminster Confession of Faith asks a question, it says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the ultimate purpose of mankind? You know the answer? The answer is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I want to tell you this morning that the more you glorify God, the more you'll be surrounded by His goodness, the more other people will be surrounded by His goodness because you're shining and the more you will rejoice in his presence. Now, the way I see this is like, I like movies uh, that has like a, sort of a, a crime or mystery or that type of theme, or it's like a spy theme, you know, those kind of things. Um, and I see the world as being this pretty dark place. So picture the world as a pitch dark place and believers all having night vision goggles on. And people are tripping all over the place. They're falling they're bumping into things. They can't find what they're looking for, their purpose. And you are the person with the night vision. You can just tell that person, hey, if you just go three steps to the left, 
bend down, pick this up. That will lead you to this, and this will help you get to Christ. You can't take off your goggles and put it on them, but you can lead them to Christ. And I've often had this thought of how cruel is it if we don't do that? Imagine just sitting and looking at all the people falling and tripping in your life and being contempt with that. Can you be contempt with not shining your light is the actual question. But it's a bit harsh, so we won't go there. You need to shine the light of God's glory to experience His goodness. And you will. Amen? And so in summary, to shine God's light, first of all, you need to come out of the darkness. So there's a liberation. There's a meditation, which is God's word that lives in you. And it's almost like this world is flooded with an ocean of pride and you are underwater and you need God's word as oxygen to survive. Because in the world, you'll get pride, you'll get human glory, but in the word, you'll see God's glory. And that's how you'll shine it. And then finally, imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Don't you want to stand with me as I pray? I want to pray two specific prayers over you this morning. The first is, if you feel like there's something in your life that's still in the dark, you hiding in the dark, or there's finances in the dark, or perhaps you're hiding something from someone you know, and you know that should come out, I want to pray that God's glory and God's light would bring that into freedom, to air it so that you can be released of that burden. The second thing I want to pray about is for the brightness of your light to keep on shining. Step into other people's lives that do not have the light and just shed some light on their path. Let's close our eyes and do that. So Father, thank you for your glorious word. Thank you that it is unified. Thank you that it is life-giving. Thank you that we get to read it. We get to meditate on it. So this morning, Father, I just want to pray for people who feel that they are being kept in the dark by secrets, by sin, past experiences and behavior. Father, this morning you are calling them out saying, come child, do not fear. For in this light, all the bad things disappear. Father, I pray that people would be bold this morning and step out. Bold enough to look at you. Bold enough to trust you with whatever they're hiding at the moment. And so Father, I pray for deliverance this morning. I pray for deliverance of things that have held people back for years. I pray that people would walk out of here free from that. That your power would rest on them right now. That your Holy Spirit would work in their hearts right now. And then Father, I pray that we would shine our lights in Jeffrey's Bay. That we would go out this week and step into some dark places and be the light in those places. Father, I pray for the courage 
I pray for the wisdom in conversation. I pray for your word to come up in our hearts as we pray for people, as we talk to them. Father, we know that shining the light is not a single act. It's not one thing we do and we've now shined the light. It is a lifestyle. Father, we need your spirit to live that lifestyle. We do not trust in our own understanding, Father, but we rely completely in who you are and what you've done for us. Father, we look to you in awe this morning. We glorify you. We enjoy the goodness of your providence. And in this joy, we will live. And in this joy, we will wait for your second coming. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, everyone. Yes.